All right, so glad that you're here. Uh, it has been a tense year, and we actually come to a time of the year, though, though we look at it as being the best time of the year, it actually can bring a lot of tension. We talked a little bit last week in the Christmas season about if you've got a family and you're trying to decide who's getting together, which family's going to get more time than the other family, it can be tough. When will we schedule this time? During COVID, we even have to ask the question, will we even schedule this time? And then if you do get together, man, there's always some kind of tension. Does somebody bring politics up? God forbid. Someone bring mask up? Someone bring, you, you name it. And you know this, I know this, in every family, there's somebody who makes things uncomfortable. Amen? You say, it's not in my family, buddy. Well, if you think that, you are probably the person in your family, okay? Because we all have it. And here's the good news this morning, is that God specializes in bringing beauty out of tension. Hence our series, Beautiful Tension. And I want to start this morning with one of the greatest stories in our church of how God can bring something beautiful out of something awful. And today, Jerry Green will be with us in front of the church for the 25th year, about a rough moment in their life that God has taken and blessed, and you get to participate in it, and I do today. So, Jerry, would you come and share, encourage us to help some children this Christmas? Well, if you want more details about Meredith Foundation and ways to give, there's a slip in your copy of Lifelines. I just love Jerry and Monica and, and what an example they are to us in the midst of this. Because Christmas is a tense time, and it was tense from the beginning. The baby Jesus brought tension between Joseph and Mary. I want you to see this maybe in a fresh way this morning. Let's look at the way Mary found out about her pregnancy and the way Joseph did, and I think you'll see a contrast. Let's start with Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, last week, we met the angel Michael. He was the warrior angel. This week, we meet Gabriel, who is blessed to be the announcing angel. So, he sent to Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What a, what a wonderful greeting. But um, that, that's not Mary's response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Friends, listen to me. People didn't get excited about angels visiting them. Uh, normally, there was some kind of bad news associated with that. And, and so when Mary sees this angel, despite the kind words, she says, she is shaking. Then the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary, don't be afraid. You have been anointed by God to bear the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the Son of God and the Son of Man, to God's Son. And then Mary says, how will this be? 
Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. I I think she gets the message. I think she even understands the miracle. She's not too sure about the mechanics. God, how in the world does this happen? And then the angel tells her. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow, what a story. Now let's look back in Matthew's version, and let's see how Joseph found out about it, because it's a little bit different. In Joseph's response, I can only imagine how he feels in this passage. Go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, can you imagine this? Now, here's where I've always confused it. You know, Mary finds out through an angel. And I've always assumed that Joseph finds out first through an angel. He doesn't. How does he know? Either he's noticed the physical changes beginning in Mary, or Mary has told him. But whatever the case is, Joseph can't believe it. I mean, look, look at the next verse. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. I mean, he understands the law of God and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You say, buddy, what is this divorce business? In in that day, guys, engagement was looked at as being binding like marriage. And so Joseph can't believe it. He still somehow cares about Mary and doesn't want to just completely embarrass her. I mean, put yourself in Joseph's sandals. Would you believe this? My son Lincoln right now is engaged to be married. His girlfriend, believe it or not, his name is Emmanuel. I can only imagine if Emmanuel came to Joseph, came not to Joseph, that's not Lincoln, excuse me, um, came to Lincoln and said, you know, Lincoln, I'm pregnant. What? Uh, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. If he calls me, I'm going to tell that boy to run, okay? Not only is she pregnant, she's crazy, Right? And Joseph, you know, that's his reaction. How in the world can this be going on? Put yourself in his place. I mean, can you imagine even his family? You think they would be willing to attend the wedding in these circumstances? And then Joseph also understands everything that's on the line here. I mean, verse 19, he's referring back to Deuteronomy 22. Listen to this passage. If a man happens to meet in a town a virgin pledged to be married just like Mary, and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of the town and shall stone them. Now, first of all, this is the worst moment in Joseph's life. Can you imagine the shame? I mean, you can't defend yourself against this. I mean, these rumors that start in this moment will continue the rest of Joseph and Mary's life. Can you imagine the shame? But it's also mixed with fear that, you know, at worst, Mary may be killed. At best, she's just going to be an outcast. This is the ultimate disgrace. I mean, think back in your life, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, of the most shameful moment of your life. 
You see, guys, the difference in guilt and shame is guilt is when you feel bad about what you did. Shame is when you feel bad about who you are. You're labeled, often by other people. So, first time in my life I've walked through verses 18 and 19 slow enough to see what really happened. Now we get to the angel. Thank the Lord. Verse 20. But after he considered this, and that must have been a pretty nice period of time. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived to her is from the Holy Spirit. She wasn't lying. So you will give birth to son, and you'll give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from his sins. So I want you to notice here, what does God do in this moment of shame? And there's three things I notice that God does. First of all, when, when you experience terrible shame, remember God does not abandon you. You see, when you're in that moment of shame, my reaction is, God, this is so embarrassing. I, I, I'm sure you don't want to have anything to do with me. I, I love the sign in my office that says, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Listen to me. God does not abandon him. God was actually more present in Joseph's life than ever. He's not ostracized by God. Number two, you've got to trust God's opinion of you. God reminds him, you are the son of David. You're the lineage that's going to bring the Savior to this earth. Don't be afraid. You see, because guys, a part of shame is not just how you look at yourself, but how other people look at you. And I guarantee you, for the rest of his life, the rumors were rampant about Mary, about Joseph. And God says, here's the way I look at you. You don't need to be afraid. You are a son of David. And then number three, believe God can use shameful moments. Here's what I love about this story. Jesus comes into the mess of our world. First of all, just the physical mess of a manger surrounded by stinking animals. But even more than that, the emotional and spiritual mess of sin and shame. And here's the good news. He can redeem, yes, even use your most shameful moments for his good. That's why we love this story. Because we go back and go, oh my goodness, how did they make it through that? And we learn lessons. And here's the lesson, guys. Here's the lesson of the day. Their tension-led to surrender, okay? The the most important word in my spiritual life, if I can be honest with you, is the word surrender. When I finally get to a point where I can't figure it out and I can't do it and I don't understand it, where I finally say, God, this makes no sense to me, but I surrender to you. That's where they got. First of all, you see Mary. What does Mary say once she gets all the facts? You think she understands this? The Holy Spirit? Here's what she says. I love it. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. God, I don't have to understand this to surrender to your will. And sometimes we don't understand that Joseph also surrendered. Look at what it says about Joseph. Go to the next one. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He obeys. And he took Mary as his wife. They both reached that incredible moment of surrender when you finally say, it doesn't have to make sense to me. I don't have to like all this. I just can trust God. 
That's the turning point in anyone's life. And I hope this morning that you learn from Joseph and Mary that the best thing you could do today is surrender. We'll talk about this later, but here's our point. When you surrender is when you find peace. If you're following the Advent calendar, peace is the subject of today. It's the moment that you surrender, you finally find peace. And Mary and Joseph, despite the fact these rumors would chase them the rest of their life, find peace in doing the will of God. So also this morning, I want you just not just to learn from them, but also as we take communion together in the next couple moments, I want you to celebrate a God who meets us in our shame. Who actually is willing to go through shame. I mean, guys, there there was nothing in ancient days more shameful and embarrassing than a cross. What did they do? They stripped you naked. They nailed you to a tree in front of everybody to see. You talk about shame? I want you to share a couple passages with you before you take communion. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says that Jesus set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the throne of God. Why can he scorn the shame? Why can he make it through the shame? Because of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 61 in verse 7. Here's the promise to you about what happened on the cross. Because Jesus not only took your guilt, he took your shame. Listen. Instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace... You'll rejoice in your inheritance. So here's what I want you to do. As you come to the table today, as you take of communion, as you look back on that cross, I want you to do something maybe a little uncomfortable for all of us, but I think it'll be well worth it. I want you to remember the most shameful moment of your life. The most embarrassing thing you ever did. But don't stop there. I want you to bring it to the cross this morning and realize that Jesus entered the mess of the world, even the shame of the cross, to remove that shame. So that when you walk out of here, you don't have to be full of shame. You can release that. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this this story, God. It's more than just a nice Christmas story. It's actually right where we live, in the middle of tension and often family tension. Father, I can only imagine... The tense words, the tense moments, the silence between Joseph and Mary. But you took this, Lord, and you did something awesome out of it. Not only did you take them through their shame, but because of the cross, you are taking us through our shame. And so today, for just a moment, as we reflect on that shameful moment in our life, God, help us to lay it down permanently at the foot of the cross. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How awesome just to be able to celebrate the greatness of God and what He does for us. We've got to see Him for who He is. Uh, I read the story this week of a few years ago in, in Chicago in a famous plaza called Daily Plaza. They, they had a, a manger scene in a, a baby Jesus. But they had a problem that the baby Jesus kept being stolen. So finally the, the authorities put the baby Jesus in the manger and put cable around the baby Jesus. Now, there was a college student, though, after a couple weeks, who was ingenious enough to get the baby Jesus out. And so they, they finally find the baby, they bring it back, and they double cable it. And then they put a, a police 
detachment around it called the God Squad, just to protect it. But the problem, though, with that picture is they're trying to bolt the baby Jesus to that manger. And I think often in our lives, guys, to keep Jesus safe from bringing some tension in our life, we often bolt him to the manger instead of seeing him as the Lord Jesus. So our point in this last part of our message is the Lord Jesus continues to bring tension into families. Uh, let's look at um, Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus talks about this. Uh, first of all, look at verse 34. Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Whoa, 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 Jesus, come on. I mean, they announced at your birth that you're the Prince of Peace, and now you're telling me you didn't come to bring peace. Well, I think in a moment you'll see how he can do both, how he can bring peace. But sometimes that peace is preceded by incredible tension. And in the first century, a lot of that tension was in families. Because if you're in a Jewish family and you convert to Jesus, you know what? Hanukkah is not very much fun. I mean, if you're in a pagan family and all of a sudden you are following this guy that died on a cross, it makes no sense to you. There's tension. And, and, and Jesus says it. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Doesn't sound like Christmas to me. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Well, that's tough, guys. And then he sums it up. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Here's the good news. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Now, why does Jesus cause so much disruption in something that he created, families? Something we know is good and healthy. Here's the reason. Because Jesus demands our first allegiance. Jesus says in these verses, I must come before your family. And if that's not your problem, most of our problem is this one. I must come before yourself. I've got to be Lord of all or I'm Lord of none. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. Because often, even in the holiday season, I think if I interviewed a bunch of us, and we would go, what is the Christmas season about? I've heard it over and over again. I've always been comfortable with this quote till this week. It's all about family. Guys, if Christmas is all about family, you're missing the point. It is all about Jesus. Can your family be a great part of that? Absolutely. But your family does not deserve the place of prominence during Christmas or any other time of your life. Some of us are so focused on our family. I mean, it is everything. We give our family all the attention, all the time, all the dedication. Because I know there's a lot good about that. But if you're making the center of your life, parents, your children, you're not doing them a favor because they're going to grow up and they're going to leave your home and they will not be the center of attention on the earth. Jesus needs to be the center of attention. Because, guys, as long as we put our family, 
for ourselves, for our hobbies, for our jobs, or you name it. Above Jesus, life's not going to work. And I'll even tell you, your family's not going to work. You know, the most miserable days in my life are when I'm so focused on me, I can't think of anybody else. The most miserable days in many of our lives is when we're trying to make sure our family is under control perfectly and we just can't pull it all together. And Jesus says the answer to that is to surrender yourself to me. Look at the way Luke puts it. Luke 9, verse 23. Go on. Here's the way Luke puts it. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. He didn't say deny yourself something. He said deny yourself a Coke, a car, a house. No, no, no. There's no blank after that. You got to listen. To be my disciple, I must deny myself. I must deny me. I got to get over me and take up my cross. What's the cross about? The cross is about execution. It's about dying to self. How often do I have to do it for this door? It's daily. And then you follow me. My, my, my friends, we get back to the same point that we had with Joseph and Mary. It's this tension with God. And God's will, not always lining up with our will, that leads to the point where I finally go, I give up. I give up on me. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I can't do it. I don't always perform well. I don't always think well. I really don't like what you want me to do, God. But I surrender. Now, here's the ironic part of it. When you finally do that, I mean, you think when you finally give up on yourself and, and controlling your own life, you think, oh, my life would be awful. Jesus says that's the moment where you are going to find life. And you say, oh, buddy, I cannot believe you're telling me not to put my family first. I'm telling you, when you surrender your family to God and stop trying to control it, you will be better off than you've ever been. And your family will be healthier. Because Jesus says, when it comes to loyalty, I must come first. Before family, before yourself. Now, that's so counterintuitive because we've been raised in America that even if you've got to neglect God and neglect church and neglect kingdom business, it's okay if you put your focus on your family. And what your family needs to see is that God comes first. And what you need to see is when you finally get to the end of yourself, you'll get to the beginning of God. That surrender may sound like a, a term of defeat, but it's actually a term of victory. Because how does it work? Let me, let me tell you, this is, this is the beautiful tension we're talking about today. Stay with me just a couple more minutes. First of all, there's tension. Life's not working. Family's not working. What God's telling you doesn't make sense. And then there's surrender. What I'm doing is not working. I'm trying every, I'm, I'm going down every road I can, and each, each road's a dead end. My life's not making sense. Okay, God, I give up. I surrender to you. Here's the good news. When you surrender is when you find peace. Because finally, you've let go of control. You see, when you finally come to God and say, you know, and this is what happens with me, man. Circumstances aren't going well. I'm not doing well. I'm not getting things right. And I'm trying. And I'm wanting to control things. And finally, I know I can't. And I just go, Lord, I tell you. Okay, God, I'm tired of trying to make it work. I surrender. 
whatever you want comes first, Lord. I know, I know this command doesn't make sense to me. I know this may be embarrassing to me. I know this may not be popular. I know what I say is probably not going to go over well to everybody. But, but here's what I got to do. Not my will, but your will be done. My God, that was the moment of peace for Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane when he finally gave up on his will of not dying on a cross. And he says, Lord, I'm telling you, I surrender. It's not about what I want anymore. It's about what you want. And what I'm telling you and I tonight, this morning, excuse me, it looks like night in here. What I'm telling you, sort of doesn't. What I'm telling you, sorry about that. What I'm telling you, what I'm telling me, guys, is that when you get to that point, is when you're going to find peace. And guys, especially as we enter these holidays, you, you just got to surrender. It's, it's, like, it's like that baby, that baby that just keeps on screaming. You can't get, can't get them to sleep. You can't pacify them. You can't do anything. And so finally you just grab them and you, you hold them as close to you as you can. You want them to, to be right there with you. And they keep crying. They keep screaming. They keep wiggling. And finally you hear, you feel their body go limp and the tension's gone. And finally they're resting. And finally, they're asleep in your arms. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to stop wrestling Him. He wants you to stop wrestling life. Stop wrestling your family. And just be at peace in His arms. So this week, I want, I want to put the prayer request number up this week. Because we, I, I want to challenge you for a very specific prayer request today. I want you to text us a prayer request about what's about to happen in your family these next few weeks. We're, we're not going to put this out on church email. This, this will simply be for the leadership of this church to pray for you. But I know from talking to people through the years that what's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year often is not. Often it's a disappointment. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to put a prayer request for us to pray for your family. Nobody else is going to know about it. We're just going to pray about it. Because here's the cool thing. If you will surrender to God, even if you go back into a situation where it's tense, even where you're not completely accepted, if you've received your acceptance and your worth from God, and you're surrendered, you can go into that family and serve. You go and love even if you don't feel like you're being loved back right. But if you go home and you're looking for it to be the same, and people to give to you, and I'm not going to give until they give to me. You're going to be sadly disappointed. But today we could learn from Joseph and Mary, we could learn from Jesus, that the point of victory is the point of surrender. Not only would it impact our Christmas these next few weeks, and how we interact with our family, but it will impact our soul. Some of you are fighting God. You're fighting Him. You're wrestling with Him. You don't like what He's telling you. You're, you're wrapped up in yourself, and he's asking you to give up control. I'm begging you to consider this, not just because I want it or Jesus wants it, but because you are not going to have peace until you surrender. And then you can have it in the boatloads. And it's not dependent on what's going on around you. So this morning, please text us that prayer request. But right now, I want you to sing. 
with all of your heart this beautiful old hymn that says where we're trying to get, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's stand together and sing.